Are we prepared to meet Jesus this morning? I hope that is your desire. I hope that is your motivation for being here. And I hope that you have all stayed dry this morning. Um, I, oftentimes I think that we limit God, but when I think of showers of blessing, I want what I was getting. I haven't seen that much water come down in quite some time, and there were muddy rivers everywhere, and it was really good. This month, Sam, we've just messed it all up for you. It's all messed up. Um, This month, we've been looking at the idea of being content during Christmas. If you were here last week, Pastor Walt set up the premise that this time of year is the most discontented time of the year. When we're told we need things, we deserve things. That's what we heard last week. And we're going to hear similar ideas today as we look at contentment. It all stems from this verse in Philippians 4. Verse 11, Paul says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever whatever situation I am to be content. My biggest fear at Christmas is opening presents. I am afraid that when I open a present... I'm not going to have the wherewithal, the power, the courage to look excited (laughs) when it's not what I wanted. I'm going to come over to the chair of contentment. Oh, man, I'm telling you, well, we've got to find a way to make this happen every week. It was a few years ago, or a few years after I had been married, my wife and I were at her parents' house, or down at her parents' house for Christmas, and this year, for some reason, they decided to do a Christmas exchange, a drawing out of the hat. So you had one person to buy for, which I like, but one person buying for you, which scares me to death. Because there's only one chance to get whatever it is going to be from that, and I'm just thinking, God, help me to... Be happy with what I get. That year, my name had been drawn by a, the mother of an aunt who I didn't know that well. And so I was, I was just petrified. As the present was handed to me, you could feel the squishy softness of cloth. <clears throat> the worst gift always clothes at least when I was little. I was big at this point, but still. And I just was like, God, help me. I have to look happy when I open this gift. I can do this. Beads of sweat began to form on my brow and my head because, well, you can see it everywhere. I've got no no absorption up here. And the beads were there as they went around the circle and it was my time to begin to pull out the papers and reach in to pull out the most hideous pair 
of pajama pants you could ever hope to find. All right. You guys talk amongst yourselves. I'm just going to sleep here. Oh, this is good. I, I couldn't even begin to understand what was in my hand because they were the worst pair of clothes I'd ever seen in my life. But yet it was from this older lady and I wanted to be nice to her and be appreciative and be happy with it. These, by the way, say chilling with my nomies you're trying to figure out what's going on here. Holding some apple cider. I'm pretty sure that's apple cider. Um, So anyway, so I was there and I couldn't do it. I just was like, thanks. And I, I was just disappointed. I had received a gift. It was ugly, but warm. But I still couldn't find it within myself to be happy that I had these. Now, I'm going to perspire and faint if I don't remove these, so let me get rid of these right quick, because they are warm. That's weird. I've never done that before in front of that many people. All right. Paul had received a gift. Paul had received a gift from the Philippians, and he wanted them to know that he was thankful But he also wanted to know that he was content. For I now, not not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation, I am to be content. So the question is, how can we have that contentment in our lives? Paul has learned contentment. It's something that I want because it sounds so peaceful. It sounds like a place where I can live there. I want to be content. But we need to unpack what Paul was saying and what his original hearers would have heard when, he, when they heard him say, I am learning, or I have learned to be content. This idea came from a group of people called the, the Stoics. And last week, um, Walt... Pastor Walt unpacked some of what that was. If you remember, if you were here, he talked about the emotions of saying, I'm going to teach myself not to care so that whatever happens, I can just look and say, I don't care. I want to control my emotions. That was their goal. Well, there's another aspect of that as well. The idea to control not only your emotions, but to control your own will. Contentment. For Paul, what he was talking about here, contentment, what he was referring to, would have been heard as a word as having power over your own will to be self-sufficient. This is the only time in the New Testament this exact word is used. And so I'm sure it would have been a catchword like contemplative. Spiritual disciplines. These words that we hear and we're like, whoa, what's he talking about? Can I get up? That's what Paul was kind of saying. I have learned to be something that is not, that is questionable. I have learned this. He's presenting the, the world's goal of having control over your own self. It was done with a purpose. 
the, the, the listener would have been grabbed by that. They would have been like, wow, what did he just say and what does he mean by that? It would have, been, it would have had connotation. In fact, what Paul was, what people might have heard Paul saying was this. I can do all things through my self-sufficient strength. That is what the word that Paul used there, what he was saying, the, re- the listeners would have been like, whoa, wait a minute. Paul, you're, you're, you're saying that you can do all things through your self-sufficient strength? Some of his listeners may have agreed with that because that might have been where they were at. Some of his listeners might have kind of stood up and say, whoa, this guy is a little bit heretical. We have to deal with this. It would have been outrageous. But I contend that it was probably a natural tendency. In fact, I would say it is probably a natural tendency with us even today. We want to do all things through our self-sufficient strength. We don't want to ask for help. Who wants that? We, we're like, no, they don't, I don't want to bother. I want to be able to do this on my own. So the question is, how did Paul overcome this natural tendency? How did he learn to be truly content? How do we learn? Well, today... We're going to look at two things that God does for us that I believe will help us learn contentment, that can help us learn contentment. Last week, we looked at Jesus as the wonderful counselor, guiding us, counseling us on how to be focused in the right way. Today, we're going to look at Jesus as mighty God. As mighty God, who has the power to help us live contentment. God gives us contentment power by completing us. The first point is God gives us contentment power by making us complete. All right, keeping with our our semi-theme of kids, I need two volunteers and Braden Standish and Jaden. So Braden, come up. I saw you come up for for children. You practiced this yesterday, so I know you're here. I've got now. Now, if you were here on Wednesday, Velma, you may need to hold Dave's hand down because Dave told us on Wednesday that when he hears the word volunteer, his arm just shoots up. Um, so Velma, keep him keep him there. We don't want to make him get up here. I've got three. I need one more volunteer. Anybody want to come up? All you have to do is read something. Come on up. Come on. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Come on. Oh, very good. All right. I'm going to give you a piece of paper, and you need to read it when I tell you to. Would you grab that mic over there? Thank you. Are you? All right. So our first thing that we're looking at is how God makes us content by completing us. We're going to go to the book of Ephesians. 
Ephesians chapter 3. If you want to open your Bibles and follow along, that'd be great. These kids, these young people are going to read this verse to you, and it will be on the screen. All right, so here we go. Ephesians chapter 3, starting with verse 16. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand all, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep is his, his love is. May you experience the love of Christ through it, is, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Excellent. Can you say amen to that? All right, thank you guys. Fist bumps all around. You can take the paper with you as a souvenir. Good job. Let's unpack this for a second. God has said that he's going to empower us with inner strength. The question is, what is inner strength? Inner strength is, was three things. It was reason, conscience, and will. These three things, Paul was praying that we as believers would have in Jesus. That we would be empowered with inner strength. That we would have power to understand. Now, I like this because... A lot of times, we're really good at having understanding, of having knowledge. We want to know things. And as Adventists, I think, historically, that's been something that we've been really good at. But if you heard from the text, sometimes the experience and knowledge of God goes far beyond what we can comprehend. But we still have to have a power to understand. God is giving us a power to understand. But when knowledge is full, when knowledge has been surpassed and our cup is overflowing with knowledge and we can't seem to get any further, God gives us experiences. God gives us experiences in the love of Christ. So through the the inner strength of knowing reason, of having conscience, of being rooted in Jesus, and having Will, having will. Now, here's the interesting thing. Note this. Paul is praying that Jesus will give us these things. The worldly stoic mindset was saying, I have to give me those three things. If I have the power of my own will, I can control what is happening and be content. But Paul is saying, no, this contentment comes from outside of you. He's given us power of inner strength, 
power of knowledge to understand and experience in the love of Christ. These things are opposed. I see why I'm having a problem here. I didn't open this thing this morning. Let me open this. Then my stuff won't slide away. Ta-da. Then I can't see it. Ta-da. We need to build a bigger lip on this thing. Uh, Something. All right, here we go. Back on track. These things are opposed to the idea of the power of self-sufficiency. Because the power, suddenly for, for me to reason, for me to have conscience, for me to have will, and to be able to control these things in my life, does not come from within. It comes from without and fills me through the power of Jesus, the mighty God. Maybe some of you will instantly recognize this picture and know right where it's from. I do not recommend this movie whatsoever. But when we talk about, oh, I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. Then, when we have these things, we will be made complete. Through inner strength, through power to understand, through experience in the love of Jesus, these things make us complete, not having power over ourselves. Now comes the picture. You may recognize it. I don't recommend this whatsoever. But whenever I think of being complete, this scene comes to mind. You complete me. As he talks to whatever the girl's name was, saying, you have made me complete. How often do we look to worldly relationships to make us complete? One, one thing I struggle with is gadget envy. <clears throat> um, I always want the next and newest thing. And it's interesting. I go through a cycle and I always wonder when it's going to happen. I always think the last time it happened is going to be the last time. Inevitably, it's not. And I always wonder when it's going to be, even though I know it's not going to come in. Did you follow? Excellent. So a device comes out. I remember it was the summer of 2007 or so. I went and bought my first Apple computer. It was fantastic. And I didn't know that as a student or a teacher, I was, a, I was at a school teaching at the time, that as a teacher, I got this special little side gift of the first iPod touch. Okay? So I was like beyond myself with joy. And I get this thing, and as I look at what it can do, I'm like, this thing is going to change my life. I'm going to suddenly be organized and be able to be on top of things. It's got a calendar. I won't forget appointments. Think, say that louder. Sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure, yeah. So anyway, so that was there, and it was like, oh, it was all good. And then the next, you know, things went along. I went with my flip phone. I got my iPhone. I was like, oh, iPhone. And I'm like, Anna, I think now with an iPhone, iPad, and Mac computer, I'm set. I don't need anything else. Well, a couple of years later, um, the new iPhone comes out, and man alive, it's got features I want. And I'm like, you know what? I think after this, if I get this next iPhone, I'm going to be perfectly happy. So I get the next iPhone, and I go through life, and I'm like, you know what, Anna? I think this is it. I can't imagine what I would want after this. And then the new MacBook Pro comes out, and it's got sick features on it, and I'm just like, oh, this is ridiculous. I need this because it will connect better and I'll be able to talk to Siri and Siri will put it on my computer and it will just connect and it will be great. And I forget 
that my life will not be made complete by having something outside, something that I don't need. I often put my completeness in the wrong thing. But here's the beauty. The mighty God, the mighty God, now to all glory, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. This is El Shaddai power. The ball's in your court, Walt, with Amy Grant reference songs. This is El Shaddai power. Last week it was some other song, Emmanuel. Now it's El Shaddai. So next week, come see what Amy Grant's song will be referenced in the sermon. The El Shaddai power, infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. This is what God gives to us, and he wants to complete in us so that we can be content. This is what Paul is saying. It comes from outside. It takes a mighty God to fill you up so you have that peace that in all circumstances, whatever you are, you can say, Lord, thank you for giving me what I have right now. And I will just take whatever gravy when you choose to give it. Or I will take whatever soured milk when you choose to give it. But I am content in you. God gives us contentment by making us complete. God also gives us contentment by rejoicing to save. Going to the Old Testament, we're going to go to the book of Zephaniah. Zephaniah is an interesting book, three chapters long. And Zephaniah was a prophet that took place, his ministry took place during the reign of Josiah. One of the the kings who helped to bring spiritual revival. The last king to do that before they were taken into captivity. But yet the book is filled with like, you guys are doing this wrong. Even if you're having spiritual revival, you're still holding on to things. And the whole book of Zephaniah are judgments and calls for repentance. It goes on and on. But then one of the last verses... God says through the prophet Zephaniah, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. A mighty one who will save. God is mighty. Some of the other versions have different words here, like warrior, victorious. God is mighty to save. We often forget that. We limit God's power. Do you guys do this as well? We limit God's power because we just can't imagine he would do more for us. We limit God's power. One day a mom and her daughter were talking, discussing Bible class at church. The child told her mom they had talked about Jesus and how he had gone to heaven and how he was sitting beside Jesus, sitting beside God. As they continued to talk, the mother noticed a rainbow. She said, look at that beautiful rainbow that God painted for us. Clearly, it's not a continuation. The other one was in a field. This one's in the mountains. Focus on the rainbow. (laughs) 
the little girl replies, And just think, Mommy, God did that all with his left hand. The mother replies, What? What do you mean? Couldn't, can't God use both his hands? Of course not, Mommy. My teacher said that Jesus is sitting on God's right hand. That's bad. We limit God's power. We think of ways to say that God's power is just not going to be able to happen, even though God could win with both his hands and feet and everything tied up. God is that powerful. It doesn't matter how we limit God. But God has chosen to say, listen, I'm going to, in my power, give up some of my power for a time. But God is powerful. Why do we limit God's power in our lives? Why do we say, there's no way God could make me content? There's no way God could make me give up the desires of my sinful nature. I cannot do it. We say, there's no way. But God is in our midst. Can you say amen? God is in our midst, and he is a mighty one who will save. That baby in a manger, the mighty warrior who will save. A mighty one who will save. God has the power to save you. There is nothing that God will not accomplish for you, for us to provide salvation. God wants to provide everything that we need and has provided everything that we need so that we can spend eternity with him. He is a mighty God who will save. God is determined to save. Jesus in John chapter 10 talks about the sheep who are following him. The sheep are in his stable and he says, There is no one who can grab you out of God's hand. God has determined, God is determined to save us. He will hold us there as long as we can. The only thing that will break that tie is when we decide to step out. There is nothing that can pull us out. God is determined to save us. Isn't that something that we can be content with? Knowing that God has determined, that God has the power to meet our needs, to meet our needs, to give us everything, that life abundantly, a life that goes beyond worldly reason and says contentment does not come from within, Contentment comes from Jesus being in your presence. Contentment comes from Jesus living in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. This verse goes on to say, this is the second half of that verse. This is God talking about us. He takes great delight in you. He renews you by his love. He shouts for joy over you. Man, 
Are those not the three best lines you've heard today? He delights. He renews. He shouts. Now, it's interesting. I was, I was looking at lots of different versions as I was studying this week for this. And this is the, the last version was the New English translation. This is the New American Standard. And there's just a little difference. And I wanted to, to focus on this. This version says, he will exult over you with joy. Which basically, the Hebrew is saying, he will rejoice over you with joy. But here's, here's the, the change. Uh-oh, got the bad mic now. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Now, focus on that middle line for a second. Kind of a sandwich. Both of those first, the first and last line, both talk about God rejoicing over us. But yet in the middle, there's this verse that gets translated lots of different ways. And one of them is he will be quiet in his love. Now, I read tons of commentaries on this. Didn't agree with any of them. They all kind of say, they all kind of point out that, eh, that's really a bad translation. And it may be. That's not my point. But as I was meditating on this, as I was thinking about it, something popped into my mind about God being quiet in his love. In the middle of rejoicing and singing and shouting, God is quiet. Why can that be? Jesus, the mighty one. The mighty God. He is fighting a battle that I started. He's fighting a battle that's my fault. He's fighting against an enemy that I fell prey to, an enemy I chose. Jesus, the mighty one, is covering the cost of my mistakes. And he wins the battle. He rejoices. He shouts. He sings for me. And in the midst of all that noise, he is quiet. He is quiet about why the battle started in the first place. As he is fighting and has victory. As, as we talked this morning, we talked about that line, oh, come let us, the victory triumphant and a, joyful and triumphant. There, there it is. We come to God joyful and triumphant. This verse tells us that God comes to us joyful and triumphant. God is coming to you today joyful and triumphant because he has won that battle. And in the midst of the battle that he is fighting for us, he is quiet about why it all started in the first place. There's no blame. No accusations. No reminders of why we have to be in this battle. He just reminds us we're on his side. And in his love, he brings no record of wrong. I can learn contentment in that. I can learn to be content with a God who sings, who rejoices over me and renews me by his quietness 
by not reminding me of all the things I've done. I can learn to be content in that. Can you also learn with me to be content in that? Is that a reason to be content in what God has done for us? God's providing contentment. He's supplied it in our lives by Jesus because he completes us. And he rejoices. He sings triumphantly to save us. So then I can say with Paul, the true verse, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Jesus Christ is the mighty God, the mighty God, the one who saves. He is the source of all power available to the powerless. My challenge for us today is to live truly in that contentment, to understand that our identity, our purpose in life is not determined by what the world puts on us, but rather what God has put in us. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. That is reason to come and adore, is it not? The babe wrapped in the manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger, was the victorious mighty God who came to save us. That is something that we can adore this morning.